In my life, I've seen Jesus be greater than my circumstances. As a second generation Christian, I struggled with the idea that I didn't have a testimony where God had pulled me out of this dark situation and I called out to him and got saved. Rather through my life, I had Jesus walking with me through all my circumstances, be it my celebrations, my downfall, my mistakes, my struggles. God has been with me through it all. And I know for sure that I have a faith in God and I have a trust in God. I now have my children and they are third generation Christians. And I celebrate at the fact that my son has taken a step of faith today to get baptized and have his walk with Christ. I don't belittle these circumstances. I have struggles that are very real, but it's through my circumstances and my celebrations that I know God is real. He is greater than my circumstances. our very own Lynn. Lynn Myrtle's here with us today. What an amazing testimony. We're going to be baptizing her son Ryan later on today, uh, along with 17 other people. 18 people getting baptized. And why? 19. We got another one. We got one more. Could we make it 20? Anyone else want to? Anyone else want to get baptized? No, that hasn't got baptized yet. That would be really perfect. Go once, <laughs> go twice. 19 people, wow. Um, 19 people, but you know what's so fantastic? Just Lynn's story and her family's story, second, third generation, along with some others. And you know what? Also, we baptized just a few weeks ago 28 people in Newbridge. So in total, that's 47 people being baptized over the last few weeks. You know, just what also as well, just to bring your attention to is that when you look around this room and you know, oftentimes we are limited to our faiths to have the ability to what we just see, which we can just see everybody in this room right now. Of course, we've got two services here and two services in Newbridge. We've upwards of 700 people on Sundays. And it's just been incredible to see the growth and see the change. And what's really exciting about today is the baptisms. And we decided, hey, let's do the baptisms in our brand new building. Right? That's like, what a great... So I want you to be prepared when you turn there. It's an empty box, all right? The, the chairs aren't laid out. The screens aren't up. It's going to take a little while. But what's incredible, we're, we're getting ready for over a 350-seater auditorium that's going to be there in the next 12 months. We're, we're getting ready for the building. We're coming up very soon. But, but what a, an amazing thing to be baptized in a warehouse. It's going to be a church. But you know what? Buildings are just tools for life change. And our mission in Open Arms is to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. And baptism is such a beautiful picture of that. So we'd love for you to join us at 3 o'clock. Do go get some lunch. Sure, there's nothing else to do today. It's lashing out. Come along for the crack. Eh? You may as well get wet indoors. <laughs> I mean, baptized. we're baptizing there and then, eh, Al? Yeah. Well, we're starting a new series today, which we have called Greater Than, Greater Than. And it's based on Colossians. We've called Christ in Colossians. And it's based on um, Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. 
We passionately believe that Jesus Christ is greater than all things. He's greater than our hopes, our dreams, and ambitions. He's greater than our fears and our failures and our faults. He's greater than what we face. He's greater than what surrounds us. He's greater than what is before us. Jesus Christ is greater than. And may that give us confidence. May it give us hope. And this series, in just the book of Colossians, is just four chapters long. It's only a short book where we're going to take 12 weeks, 12 Sundays, to go slowly through this series and building up to to Christmas, of course, which is just around the corner. And it, we're asking everybody, hey, commit to be here every Sunday. Every Sunday. Now, there's not going to be any roll call or anything like that, so don't be worrying whatsoever. Life happens. I get it. But we're saying that we need the church now more than ever. Yeah. We need God's word now more now than ever. Yeah. We need Jesus. We need, we need one another. That atmosphere and worship, yeah. you know, you... When, when you get that and you sense that and you feel the Holy Spirit working in you and you hear a word that's going to inspire you, it just gives you a hope for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And if you do miss out on any ser- uh, sermons, please, you can catch up on uh, our YouTube channel. We've got videos and podcasts anywhere. But I, I hope all of you, you, you got your Bibles with you today. If you don't worry, don't, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You can bring it next week, of course, which you've got your Bibles. Okay, here, let's point out something. This guy think, thought he would get under. Alan forgot his Bible today. No, so you ran out and got a Bible. <laughs> we all saw you run out and come back in here. Alan was very faithful. He got up very early this morning. He was filling up the baptismal tank that we have in our new building. And so he wanted to make it warm. So guess what he did? About 1,000 liters in this big thing. He filled up a few kettles. Of hot water. <laughs> you know he's from Dublin, right? <laughs> he's awful. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So we turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It begins, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Paul an Apostle Paul, or St. Paul as others know him, and he was appointed by God to preach the gospel, plant churches, raise leaders, and he, along with Timothy, have, have planted churches and have seen God do many amazing things. And now he's writing to this church in Colossae, of course, the letter's called Colossians, and he's writing to encourage them. He says that there are faithful brothers and sisters, that when we come into faith of Jesus, we, we become a, a part of a family, a family of believers. Continues, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. Previously, he says, already heard, so you've heard it and truly understood God's grace. We've heard the gospel. We've understood God's grace. And you learned it from Epaphras. Epaphras was the one who had planted the church. Our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So I want to speak to you today on the title, Remember When. 
Remember when. You know, all great stories and memories that are relived begin with those two days, or two words, especially when you're in a group and you're looking back at the old days, you're talking about certain things, you say, remember when? Remember when we first met? Remember when the kids were babies? Remember when that happened? Remember when we saw, anyone agree with what I'm saying? You know, you say, remember when? Remember when? You know, someone this week uh, asked myself and Jillian, we were chatting and they said, remember when you first started dating? What was that like? What was that feel like? And what was funny in, in that moment, for me at least, of recounting that story brought me back to a 17-year-old boy chasing a beautiful woman. A beautiful older woman, I will point out. Uh, she was a cougar, okay? Many people call her a cradle snatcher at the time. She claimed she didn't know my age, but I think she, she knew. And, and uh, is that okay? Is that making you uncomfortable, Jillian? Is it? <laughs> 17 years old. And uh, what was funny, recounting that story that at the time that the asses remember when, you know what, no matter what was going on in our space or whether unmet needs or confusion in communication or just the busyness of life and you know how it is in relationships, they can become about everything else either rather than the very thing that you got together for. And recounting what it was like in that story, it was like it stirred up the, the emotions and the feelings and the attraction. Honestly, it made me feel like chasing Jillian all over again. I was like, okay, that passion is stirred. But that can happen for any area of our life, whether it's in relationships. Also, you know, my, my nine-year-old boy, my eldest son, um, he's nine going on 19, right? He's at that stage where he's discovering like a little bit of awkwardness and embarrassment. And one of the things I love, I don't know if you love this, how the, the memories on your photos keep coming up on your phone. I just absolutely love that because I'll be with them and I'll see like one of when he was a little baby and I'll say, Leif, I look at you and you're a baby and it so embarrasses him, but I think he secretly loves it because I'll say, I remember when you were two years old and you were obsessed with daddy, like you would just follow daddy everywhere. And then what happens is he's like, ah, but then... Slowly and subtly, he'll cozy into me and kind of let down his guard. And it's like he's brought back to being a little boy again. So I kept testing it out this week. And he then said to me last night, he says, remember when we used to just go to church together, just the two of us? So we came here together this morning, just the two of us early. Because when, when when you say remember when and you recount it, it stirs up emotions and feelings within you. There's been many times in this last couple of years where myself and and our team will be facing certain complexities and and difficulties and tensions. So we can be in an environment that's tense and difficult and coming up with problems that need to be solved. And in the moment, I can say to Alan or to Rahul, and we work together and say, remember when we were in the Bottle Tower pub, October 2017? Wondering, would anyone turn up to tell them about this church? Remember when we first started, we were dreaming about days like this? Remember when you will look back at today, say, remember when we're in the Clayton Hotel? You may say to your wife, remember when we were dealing with that difficulty? 
You may say about your own case, remember when they were this age and they'll never be this age again. Remember when you were in your job and you had certain financial needs, but at the same time, you had certain people around you. And remember when what it does within us is it produces a gratefulness because I can look back at the times that were and it gives me a gratefulness for where I am today. And not only that, but I can, I can look back and say, thank you, Lord. And I can also, it gives me a passion to embrace what I have today. Rather than looking back saying, I wish I was there, I say, thank you, God. I'm so grateful. Let's continue on making more memories and more moments. Remember when. You see, remembering when helps us to remember why. To remember why. Remember why we started dating. Remember why we had kids, because we want to kill them. <laughs> Remember why we decided to go on this career path, because God put a dream in our heart. Re Remember why we stepped out and we're living in this community and living in this area, because God put a dream in our heart to be able to reach out to people. Remember, remembering when helps us to remember why which then we remember what God has called us to do. And Paul, he, he begins this, this scripture as a reading and studying, getting deep into these verses one through eight, going, God, what am I going to say? There's so much depth and knowledge. And just kind of step back from it and see that Paul is saying, do you remember when? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and it produced a hope and you stored in heaven that gave you faith in Jesus and love for his people? Do you remember when you experienced this hope like never before and it gave you, bore fruit within you? Where previously you were feeling fruitless and stale and stagnant and this gave you a fresh fire within you that caused you to grow and to flourish? He says, do you remember when you first Met Epaphras. You know, he, he came back home and you could see something different in him. This new joy and passion exuding from him. So over coffee, you begin to ask questions. He began to tell you about Jesus. You learned from him and you gave your life to Jesus. And you're part of a church. You're serving in the community. Do you remember when? Paul is refocusing the Christian to remind them why they became Christian in the first place. He's refocusing the Christian to remind them why they gave their life to Jesus and committed to his church. I ask you today, do you need to remember when? Do you need to remember when it was that you first heard about the love of Jesus? Whether you never heard it before or you grew up in church and all you heard was legalism and now you heard about this love and it gave you hope? Do you remember when? You remember when you didn't feel part of anything, like you didn't belong. Now you're part of a community and you feel like you've got a space and you've got friends. Do you remember when you lived your life purposeless, feeling pointless, but through God's word, reading God's word and applying God's ways and his word to your life, now you feel like I've got direction. Not only that, I've got the Holy Spirit who will walk with me and lead me and empower me? Do you need to remember when? Do you remember when and know that Jesus has called you because he loves you? 
And he's for you and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And not only that, he's got a, a hope to give you, not just for you, but for the world. And so the context of, of Colossians, this, this book or letter, this epistle written by Paul, he's writing it to this small community within the city of Colossae about 100 miles from Ephesus. Ephesus was a, a port city. It was, a, it was an important city that, um, that was, that was a, a, where Paul went on his third missionary journey. He planted the church, and there himself and Timothy, over three years, they began to preach the gospel and preach the gospel. And he began to see people travel from right around come to hear this gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. That he gave his life for you and sacrificed himself for you so that you could have a relationship to the Father through the Son so that you would not have to suffer. And then he rose from the dead where he defeated sin and death and shame to be no more so that you may have life to the full. And you also have a hope stored up for you in heaven, but here on earth the Holy Spirit has been given to you to empower you and equip you and to be your ever-present help. That's the gospel. That's what we give our lives to. And Paul is preaching this gospel and himself and Timothy are discipling others. And then this man from the community of Colossae travels to Ephesus and he hears the gospel. Epaphras comes from, he was named after the pagan god Epaphroditus. He was from a pagan community, a pagan household, didn't know anything about Jesus. And here we have this moment where he hears about Jesus. He gives his life to Jesus. But what I love about the story of Epaphras, it didn't end there. He goes back home. He hears the gospel. He understands God's grace. He learns what it is to be a disciple. And then he goes back home. And there he goes back and he begins sharing the gospel. Just as Paul wrote about the church in Galatia that we heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for people. He, he begins to express that to people around him. And slowly but surely, one by one, people start giving themselves to their lives to Jesus, entering into the gospel and the kingdom of God, becoming a part of the church, and then the church is formed. Now, like any church that begins with passion, but then begins to grow and has structure and maturity. The, this church was facing difficulty, facing battles. Many theologians believe that why Paul wrote the letter to the church in Colossae was because they were facing dangerous teaching that was threatening the gospel and it was threatening the very existence of the church in Colossae. And so he wrote to them to encourage them. And the overall arching theme of Colossians is Jesus Christ is greater than. Remember the truth. Remember to have Jesus at the center of your life as you battle against sin, as you seek purity towards holiness, as you not only learn what it is to be a Christian, but to raise a Christian household and a Christian family. And so many theologians believe that the dangerous teaching that was in the church was twofold. It came from some outside the church in and then came from some within the church, seeping into the church, causing factions and divisions and questions and doubts. And many people believe that it came in twofold. The first one was this, is that some were trying to water down the gospel, trying to water down the truth. 
bringing in certain aspects of faith, like mysticism and spirituality, Gnosticism, which is to deny the materialistic things of the world, which is liberalism, where God loves everybody, is for everyone and everything and all religions and all faiths and all things. And, and kind of like saying, let's just, let's just water it down a little bit. Not too unlike the culture of the world that we live in today. Let's just, you know, now we've got this issue, now let's just change everything to welcome this. Now the other side of that was that many people were trying to add to the gospel. And add to the truth by bringing in religion and legalism and rules and regulations, saying that in order for you truly to be a real Christian, you need to do this, do that, follow these rules, set these things. And, that, and so there was two sides of the coin. There was two ends of the spectrum, those who were trying to water it down and those who were trying to add to it. And here Paul is saying, no, we need to bring it back to the center. Bring it back to Christ at the center. Christ is in all things, before all things, and in him, all things are held together. Now, one of the things that the, when, during the summer, myself, like I, I you try to use the summer to ask God, what is it, the series that we're going to go into and the sermons? And I really felt convicted, as I've shared with you before, about, you know, we as a Christian and what God has called us to be as Christians with, with the Bible as a priority, with being in church every week is a priority with our family, raising them up in the faith, being on our knees in prayer daily, all these things because we need them now more than ever before. And one of the things I felt challenged by as a pastor and as a leader is so many people with the certain issues in the world and the fear that can come from that, whether it's gender or sexuality or I, certain ideologies that can kind of seep into the church and to the Christians saying, you know, what do we do and where do we stand in this issue, issue and what is this thing? And it, as a pastor, as a leader wanting to give help and direction and focus and an answer, I felt God bring me back to the gospel. To the gospel. To the truth. You see, what can happen is just like fake currency that is out there, we can find ourselves following after certain, certain counterfeits, trying to study the counterfeit. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And Jesus says, focus on what's right. Focus on the truth. When you, when you study the truth, the counterfeit becomes very apparent. When you study the truth, how you're supposed to raise your family and your kids becomes very clear. When you focus on the truth, when you come up against certain issues and conversations and filled with grace and truth together and tying them in together, it gives you hope. It gives you faith. You can stand on the truth, not stand on an issue. You can stand on Christ, not trying to convince someone else of your argument. You, you can actually, you know, kind of just let go a little bit and confidently like, I stand in God's truth. I know his truth. I don't need to ram it down your neck. I don't need to convince you of it. But I know where I stand. I stand in Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossia because this is what's, what's happening in our world today. What's happening in our church today. I don't mean just this church. I mean the global church is the very thing that's happening in Colossians. So he begins, verse 3, he says, We thank God for you when we pray for you. We celebrate you. We praise you. Why? Because he's praising them of, of who they are 
and their faithfulness in Jesus Christ and their love for God's people. And so here's three things because every great sermon has three points. Three things in this scripture, verses one through eight, is the first one is this. Remember when you heard. Remember when you heard the gospel. Remember when you heard. He says, from verse four to six, it says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. This is how we are as Christians to live. To live a life in such a way that others will hear and see our faith in Jesus and our love for people. That's it. Not to preach a sermon, not to stand on a pulpit or a platform or a box and be able to... No, it's, it's actually a living testimony. That's so much harder because it's every day. Every day. In your weak moments and in your strong moments. In your painful moments and in your joyful moments. Living it out so others will see your faith And hear your love for people. And so he continues, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard, previously heard. You have heard it. Remember when you heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Hearing the gospel of grace. What does it do within us? Paul says that it produces hope within you. Hope that comes from where? Hope that comes from heaven. When you you place your faith in Jesus, when you hear the gospel, when you you hear it, what it does is you you have a, a hope that's not sourced on earth, but is waiting for you in heaven, that's reserved for you in heaven. We're all focused on earthly treasures and earthly blessings and God says no I've got heavenly blessings heavenly treasures so what does that do it produces faith and love within you for today because you hope for what for your future for your children's future I got faith today I got love today and people everyone around me is like freaking out and saying where are things going what's going to happen you say no I've got hope because I know who's in charge I know who God is I know what he's called me to do. I know that he's called me to be faithful in him and have love for all people. This hope should be our sustenance. This hope should be the source of our faith, the source of our love. Paul is saying in what? In the gospel that is true. The true gospel. It is truth that you can trust in. It's truth. And he's He's trying to get the church to remain in the center of their faith, to neither believe in and listen to fake news, which is half-truth, mistruth, and adding to the truth and taking the truth and being able to adopt it to the way that you want. Nor is it to believe false news, which is adding to the gospel and religious legalism and saying you needed this and you need this, now you need that and you need this. Neither to listen to fake news or false news, but the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And there is hope. There's hope in the good news. There's relief off the burden that you're carrying when you hear the good news. What does it do? It produces hope. If it produces condemnation, if it produces baggage, if it produces shame, that's not the gospel. It should produce hope. The truth, the truth, the truth. What does the truth do? It produces hope and what I love. Epaphras, he didn't hold on to this hope for himself. So he hears this truth. It says that he hears, understood, learned. He hears it. What does he do? He brings it back home. The hope stored up for you in heaven isn't to be stored up for you on earth. 
is to be shared with the earth. They shared with your home, shared with your family. Don't hold on to the hope for yourself. Let it flow through you. How? By how you live. That others may hear and see the faith you have in Jesus and the love for you have for people. And that's it. It's quite simply. Remember when you heard. Here's the second thing. Remember when you understood. Remember when you understood what? The grace of God. Verse 6 says in the, that in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, okay, so you hear it, and truly understood God's grace. Truly understood God's grace. When you get to a place where you grasp the grace of God, it becomes real to you, and it messes you up at first. Because what happens is you sin, you know, like, not just a small, like you sin, shame just begins to wash over you. You're a failure. You're a mistake. You're, you're a horrible person. And you come to a place of repentance and you receive forgiveness, love, and joy. And you experience the grace of God. Yeah. You see, when we experience shame, it brings us back to sin. Paul says in another scripture, like a dog goes back to his vomit. It's how one filled with shame goes back to their sin. But the grace of God fulfills us in such a way where it says, I don't need that to fulfill me because I have the love of Jesus. And here's what I have discovered when you understand the grace of God, that the more you walk in it and grow in it, what does it do? The more you you, you sin and you get forgiveness and you sin and you forgiveness and you get up and you fall and you get back up again. But the time between you fall and get back up again as you mature in your faith and you understand the gospel of grace, it just gets shorter and shorter, shorter and shorter. And His grace gives you the ability to overcome your sin. His grace gives you the ability to restrain from sin, turn away from the temptation. In fact, God then removes the temptation. And we've all got battles in our life. We've all got things facing, whether it's in our mind, whether it's in our heart, whether it's with substance or sex or whatever it is. But God can give us the grace. We need to come to a place of understanding God's grace, grasping God's grace. And what happens next, it's interesting that he says, this Gospel of grace is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. You see, the gospel of grace, what it does is it bears fruit and it begins to grow. And what, what the, the fruit that we experience is the life change. Hearing the testimony everyone, I've been through difficult times, but Jesus is greater than. And now here I am celebrating my son being baptized. That's the fruit. Well, the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of you, that's, that's the fruit of God's grace. And it begins to see life change, life change in our mind, life change in our habits, life change in our words and our language and our thinking and our parenting and our marriage and, and how we treat our coworkers and how we treat our neighbors. It begins to, to bear fruit and then it begins to grow. We begin to grow. We begin to flourish. We don't go from here to here. It's slowly, 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 slowly. But then I become a new man, a new woman, a new creation. I begin to see things happen in my life that I've been praying for for years. 
Because the grace of God bore fruit and grew in me. He says it grows within, just as it has been doing among you. Other translation says within you. It's the gospel of grace can be best summed up in Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8, sorry. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. The response of hearing and understanding is to receive. It goes beyond an emotional reaction. Emotional reactions tend to kind of peter out as the emotions peter out. It's an intentional decision. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. I'm making the decision maybe to understand God's grace more. I'm making a decision to grow more. I'm making a decision. But what's really important, as Jesus said in his parable of the soil, that requires a healthy and fertile soil, eyes open to see, ears open to hear, and hearts open to receive. Are you open to receive today? I'm open to you, God. I'm open to you. That your gospel may, may I understand it more. I want to grasp it more. Because I want you to bear fruit in me and I want to grow. And here's the third and final thing. He says, remember when you learned. So we go from hearing to understanding to learning. Colossians 1, 7, 8 says, you learned it from Epaphras. You learn it from a person. That's what we learn. We learn it from those around us. We learn it from family members. We learn it from parents. We learn it from people in the church. We learn. We watch. We, we see a model. We, he says, you learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. To learn is to increase in knowledge. To learn is to observe, to watch, to listen. And then it's to take it on board as if you know it. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this just, just this morning. That since a, a little boy, uh, my parents started going to church when I was about five. And, you know, in Sunday school was the, was the one who was always sent down to my parents because I was quite the disruptive and rebellious and didn't want to listen. And that's why I love kids like that. Because I'm like, they're the greatest kids because they're going to do something great for God. Amen. <laughs> Speak that over my own boys, because sometimes, anyway. And, <laughs> and I watched and listened. And my parents, they, they started church when I was just 12 years old. And honestly, it was like the worst thing for a 12-year-old boy to experience in a town where absolutely zero Christians and your parents, and you say, what am I, what are you? Are you Catholic or positive? And they say, I'm a Christian. It's like, is that a cult? Right? That, was, that was what we were asked back in Newbridge back in the day in 2000. And I remember even just this morning, I just had this picture, this image. I remember being 12 years old in a hotel because we started in a little tiny shopping center then moved to a hotel. I remember setting out the chairs. That's, that's what I used to do, just set out the chairs. I did not like church, did not want to be there. But my dad was a good dad who says, you're going there until you're 18. That's why I believe we should speak to our kids because they don't know what they want. <laughs> And so I, I observed, I watched, I watched and observed, and listened and heard. Your kids are watching you. Kids are watching you. Other kids who aren't even your children, who are grown up, are watching you. You can be an influence. We learn from others. 
Jesus, he came and he gave us a hope and he left the church. He left men and women to be the hope to the world. That we might say, you learned from Epaphras. I, I, I grew up and I learned until the moment I remember. 17, 16 turned 17 years old. And I decided, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And no turning back. I was able to hear and understand. And then I said, I need to learn. To learn is to grow in our understanding. And to grow in our knowledge of God. You see, when we grow in our knowledge of God, when we grow in wisdom, when we grow in God's word, what happens is we bear fruit. We begin to grow. We begin to flourish. The original word here that's used in the ancient Koine Greek in which Paul would have wrote this letter, the word learned and the word disciple are directly connected. The word learned is rooted in the word disciple. So he effectively he's saying that you learned it from Epaphras. You became a disciple. You became a disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who grows and progresses in their faith and their knowledge of God. In fact, if he's, he's saying that you became a disciple. Paul is saying that you became a disciple through Epaphras. Epaphras became a disciple through Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy became a disciple through others. What do disciples do? They make Disciples. Disciples make disciples. Matthew 20, 18, 19, 19. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. And do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Disciples make disciples. You see, Epaphras heard. He understood. He learned the gospel. He goes back to his home. He speaks so that they may hear. He explains so they may understand. He teaches so they may learn. And then they make disciples. That's the gospel. That's how we reproduce the gospel. Because we speak and explain and teach. So we bring others on a journey. And through this life-giving church that we're a part of, we begin to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. You're a disciple. So you, as a disciple, are called to make disciples. How do I do it? Through others hearing and seeing your faith in Jesus and your love for people. That's it. Standing on God's truth, knowing the gospel, and continuing to learn. Christians stop growing when they lose the desire to learn. Christians stop flourishing and they become stale and stagnant when they stop learning. God's call is to learn. God's call is to grow. That's why I'm so passionate about the church. Once a week, we get to go to church. It's a privilege. It's a priority. I believe that God wants to restore the church in Ireland, yes. In South Dublin, yes. In the community, yes. Here, now. Yeah. Here, now. That we won't be Christians where we just add the gospel to. We'll be Christians who live the gospel at the center. We need one another. We need community. And we need to reach our community. Yeah. 
We need to bring hope to our community. I believe confidently that we will write in the history books about this time and this moment and this church and these people and churches right across the land. He's saying that something began to shift. Something began to change. Something began to happen when a people grasped the gospel, understood God's grace, became learners, and began to share that with others because we got the greatest hope that the world has ever had. And his name is Jesus. So let's make disciples. We got it. We got it. I remember when God spoke to me and Jillian to plant this church. I remember why. Because he called us not just to reach Dundrum or South Dublin, but to reach the nation of Ireland. And he, in order to do that, to go to this particular area, because God was drawing us here, because the people, the resources, and the influence can be turned and used for God's good. It starts here. It starts now. Because we've got some of the greatest people, but you know what? They need to be woken up from their slumber to say that what you have can be used for God's glory and to build God's kingdom. And here we are. We're going from a hotel to a warehouse that's going to be a great church and it's going to grow and thrive. And then we're going to go to the next place. Then we're going to go to the next place. Then we're going to build churches all across the area and all across the nation. But it's just disciples making disciples. It's just I hear the love of Jesus and I can't do nothing else but share the love of Jesus. That's it. That's it. The gospel is given to you so it can be given away to others. Given freely. Given freely daily. And verse 8, here's what's really important. As I finish, I'm going to invite the worship team just to come back up. Epaphras also told us of your love in the Spirit. The evidence of the gospel at work in you is the love, the manifest love inside and out. Dwelling up from within you that you like. I, here's what I honestly think. All these thick issues that's going on in the world and the discussions about sexuality and gender and education and what's going to happen. I just spoke to a parent who was in here who was sharing with me their concern. I said, hey, you speak over your boy life faith. They will walk according to the ways of God. They will find their identity in Christ and nothing else and no one else. You speak that, you believe that, you hold on to that. That's how it will work. But here's, here's the flip side of that. It's grace and truth. We're called to love all people, all times. It's that tension. I don't need to get them to teach them to Live according to this, and you're not living in your No, no, I gotta love. We're open arms, man. We're, we're just like, we're love. We'll love and embrace. Now, if you wanna go deeper, we'll start teaching, right? We'll start opening up God's word. We'll, we'll start doing that. But you wanna just be a part of this? Hey, we gotta love. No matter what, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what your identity is or where it's found in, you're here, we love you. I'm part of this church. And that's the, I believe, is the response that each and every one of us to have, where we hold with intention, grace and truth. Well, let me finish by focusing on, on you. Do you remember when? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel? Do you remember when you first heard of, of Jesus? And like it almost felt like it didn't make sense. Grace doesn't make sense. You mean, I can live my whole life 
messed up, giving in to whatever I want, and I can just come back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, and I can receive forgiveness? Well, yes and no. You say sorry from the bottom of your heart, meaning it, and you receive his forgiveness, but when you mean it and you live according to him, he gives you the grace to be able to stop living that way. He gives you the Holy Spirit to empower you and equip you to become more in the image and likeness of Christ. Do you remember when you learned? You, you were a learner. You were a disciple. You were drawn towards God's word. Some of you may recount old times and old things that were you were more involved and more a part of. And maybe God's saying, hey, remember when? Remember why? No, do you remember what I've called you to do? Maybe it just means start again. Begin again. Believe again. Because that's grace. Hey, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? In this moment right now, maybe the space between you and God is muddled. It's filled with loss, unmet expectations, suffering, pain. Would you allow God's grace to cover that in such a way where you not only receive the forgiveness from God that you, maybe you need to forgive God. And would you receive the forgiveness for yourself? Remember when, so that I may remember why. You can remember what God's called you to do, who God's called you to be, where God's called you to go. Right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and you, you want to give your life to Jesus again, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time. Say, okay, God. I want to hear again, I want to understand again, and I want to learn again. You have placed within me gifts, talents, personality, and identity that is found in you. So God, I pray God right now that you would help me, that you would lead me to learn, to grow, to flourish, to bear fruit. God, to be able to change my heart, my mind, my soul, be able to bring this hope to everybody around me, my home, my workplace, my community. God, if you're in that place right now, all you need to say with me is to Jesus. I give you my life. Become the Lord of my life. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 His grace is new. His grace and mercy is there for every day, every morning, every time. It's time to start again.